podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Just let someone let me and Kurt Lambro, six feet yeah. seven, six feet eight. Um, there, there's no chance of that. I don't think we encountered a lot of sledging. I know there was a misunderstanding in a game with myself and Mike Atherton at Sabina Park. He did something to protect me when Clive came to me and said that he wanted me to bowl one over the change round Joel Garner and Malcolm Marshall. I wanted to bowl, but Mike, he figured, no, no, don't let the youngster go. And he said, skip, I'll do it. And after that, he got fired for 21 or something like that. The, you know, the hens didn't get changed again. But he did that in terms of protecting me and you know, something I would never ever forget. Um, you know, born in short at the Australian captain who was, was actually one of my favourite players. And um, when I bowled his short ball, he saw the fender off and said, a bit slow, mate. <laughs> and I never used to talk, I just steer, so I steered him down and went back to my mark and bowled another one. I think the age that we're dropping players at now, or the age that we should be probably starting to look for returns from players because of the extended time it takes for players to learn, but... Um, in the Caribbean, there's this this stigma, this notion that I guess once you get to 30, um, you should you should be filing for pension. So um, I don't. I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of our new cricket series, The State of Play. This is episode number six. Shows available in video format at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation and the audio version at all your usual podcast and radio apps. Ace Podcast Nation does shows on all sorts of subjects, including MMA, football, cricket, mental health, and much more, featuring top guests, expert analysts, and more. So give us a follow on uh, social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel. So, special show today, because we have not one, but two guests joining us. So first of all, we've got our usual trio of myself, as well as West Indian batsman, Mr. Kieran Powell. How are you doing, Kieran? You right, buddy? I'm not too bad, how are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Excited for this. Excited. It's like a, like a kid in a sweet shop, mate. So, uh, and then also we have uh, former Glamorgan bowler, Mr. Nye Norman. How goes it, my friend? I'm good. Very good. Thanks, you. Yeah, I'm all right, buddy. All right. I'm getting ready for this. So uh, which which legend should I introduce first? It's like, I don't know which one. So we'll go with... Uh, There's only one. That's it. <laughs> That's the one. You've got to introduce him first. Yeah, the man who's got his picture <laughs> in the West, was it? West Indian uh, cricket board. Oh, board. yes. Yeah. Yep. The entrance. Your entrance. The former yeah. West Indies bowler, Mr. Corey Collymore. How are you, mate? You okay? I'm well, sir. Yourself? Yeah, yeah. Good, good. And, of course, last but certainly not least, ICC Hall of Famer, ex-Gloucestershire and legendary West Indies fast bowler, Playing over a hundred test matches, it's none other than Mr. Courtney Walsh. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good, thank you. And I want you to reiterate that again for Mr. Powell to hear. Over a hundred test matches, just for Mr. Powell, okay? Yeah. Also, West Indies captain. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so, um, 
Yeah, so we got to, unfortunately we've got to start the show. We're recording this on uh, Thursday, the twenty fourth of September, uh, and there's sad news that uh, former Australian batsman Dean Jones has uh, passed away. Shockingly, really, uh, very unexpected. Whilst overseas as part of uh, Star India's uh, commentating team on the IPL, um, from the reports in the newspapers, it seems that he had a, a massive heart attack. Um, and yeah, he leaves behind a wife, two daughters, very sad, very sudden. Um, obviously a, a, a fantastic uh, cricketer and by all accounts, judging by social media, he's a, a fantastic man. Um, Courtney, you would have played against him uh, a lot over the years. What are your some of your memories of uh, Dean Jones? Yeah, I played against him and I also played a couple of games with him as well. Um, he was a tremendous guy. Uh, we did a lot of coaching stuff together with Macquarie Bank in Australia. We did a lot of bush stuff when he went up to the Aboriginal state and he was always there. You know, one of them guys who gave everything was in full support of what we were trying to do with the foundation in Australia, reaching out to the Aboriginals and stuff. And in his commentary role as well. And the, my last memory of him was very good. We had a meal, a couple of meals together in Sri Lanka when he was doing commentary there. And you know, we just catch up, talk about the good old days, about Kirtley and the sweatband, him batting, what he thought about the game. He had very good insight, but he was always jovial. And I remember the last thing he said to me, please, man, tell Kirtley I didn't mean it, man. I didn't mean to upset him and in his own joking fashion. <laughs> but I mean, when I saw the news this morning, it was very, very sad because I was actually reading some stuff about him on Twitter in the dugout with the guys up there. Because I follow his band and what he does. And someone was giving him a hard time, I think, and he said to the person, just press that button and zoom in or zoom out, whatever, in his own professional way, you know what I mean? And yeah. When I got the news this morning, I was really, really sad. So I want to use this opportunity to send condolences to his families, his wife and two lovely daughters, and just to let look, you know, we're Mr. Champion. He's, he's a genuine person, and whatever he says, he tries to back it up, but he doesn't mean harm. He just gives his opinion. And sometimes people take it the wrong way, but he gives his opinion, you don't have to agree with him. And that's what I like about Dino. Yeah, that was, that was one of my favourite things about watching him as a commentator is um, I prefer my my pundits or my commentators just to, to give an honest opinion you know no matter what it's their opinion and uh, i always felt that he did that um corey did you play against dean jones or was he did you did you no uh, i think dino was way before my time yeah did yes. you have you ever ever meet him no i've never met dean jones to be quite honest okay. um saw him play once or twice um you know looked at a few videos but i remember also remember like Courtney saying the the Kurt, Kurt Yambers incident, and I remember he was a guy who used to catch the ball and sort of smack it in the turf. Yeah, but very fierce competitor from what from what I watch. Yeah, I always remember him being uh, like one of those really on the pitch, really aggressive. But um, as soon as yeah. the the days were finished or the games were finished, he was the first guy to shake his opponent's hands and kind yeah. of get into that. So I, you see, you know, from the outside, that is obviously. Um, Nye, what's your uh, memories of, of Dean Jones as a player? Like, obviously, for us as kind of English cricket fans, for me and you particularly, like, for me, I'm a little bit older than you. Like, growing up, I just remember, obviously, when we played the West Indies, you had Courtney Walsh and Curtly Ambrose just terrorising us. And when we used to play the Australians, you'd have people like Dean Jones and Alan Border and whatnot batting for days. It was painful viewing for a child watching cricket. Yeah, mate, it's uh, exactly that. I think Alan Border and uh, Dean Jones are two of the 
leading lights, both hard-nosed cricketers, but they gave it all on their fields. Um, and as Courtney said, then he was the first to shake your hand after the day's play uh, if he did well. But that's what I think Australia epitomised and Dean Jones definitely did that. Hard on the field, play hard, but play fair. Yeah, spot on, mate. What about you, Kieran? Do you uh, remember sort of watching Dean Jones play and stuff? Uh, just just that one incident with Kirtley Ambrose, but um, obviously it's a sad loss for, for the cricketing world. And I think we're all really and truly just trying to make it out of 2020 at this point because it's not been the best year in human history. No. Yeah, it's a, it's a rubbish year all round, I've got to be said. Um, okay, so uh, to start us off with our guests, what we're going to do is uh, we have the Magnificent Seven, which is seven quickfire questions, and our guests will just give us uh, the first answer, which kind of comes to mind. Um, so what we'll do is we'll do... Uh, I'll go with Courtney Walsh first, and then I'll do the same questions to Corey Collymore. So, uh, Courtney, uh, the Magnificent Seven. Uh, Brian Lara, Viv Richards, or Cigarfield Sobers? In terms of the best batsman? Uh, yeah, who you'd pick if you were pick, if you had to oh, pick. pick I'd them. pick, I'm going to pick Viv. I played a lot with him, so I'd have to pick Viv um, up front. Uh, Stokes, Flintoff, or Botham? Oh, that's tough. But um, I played most of my cricket with both of them as well, so I'd have to give them the nod. Uh, toughest opponent you ever played against? Uh, Steve Waugh. Greatest bowler of all time? I was going to say Corey Colomar, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would be a, a, for me, from a personal view, it would be a close one up between Malcolm Marshall and Kurt Ambrose. Uh, your favourite grounds to play at? Funny enough, Sabina Park, Kensington Oval, and a little ground in England called Cheltenham. My Glamorgan colleague might know about that. I love yes. that ground, Cheltenham. <laughs> good ground. Not so good for I don't, I, I don't leave it out. I don't leave it out. <laughs> That's what I like to see. Uh, best roommate? Oh, my gosh. Ah, I room with Kirtley, and you don't get a chance to rest. Like, it's my worst roommate. My best roommate now would probably have been Desmond Ames. Nice, I like it. And then finally, uh, the worst trainer. Never had one. Ah, okay. Fair enough. <coughs> okay, and uh, Corey Collimore, the Magnificent Seven. Uh, Brian Lara, Viv Richards, or Garfield Sobers? Corey, I have to go with Brian Lara. Um, I played most of my West Indies cricket under Brian Lara, and I also think if one man can score between one and 500 himself, must be something special about him. Oh, yes. Yeah, he scored 500 against Glamorgan there. So I think uh, I remember that. Um, ben Stokes, uh, Andrew Flintoff, or Ian Botham? I played against Botham. I played against Flintoff. played against Stokes. I guess it depends on what you're looking for, but I think Stokes is a full package. Indeed. Uh, the toughest opponent you ever played against? Chuck Callis. Great shot, that is. Uh, greatest bowler of all time? Michael Marshall, Courtney Walls, Wazzy McCrum. Favourite grounds to play at? Kensington Oval and Sabina Park, for sure. Uh, best roommate? Christopher Gill. Oh my god. That was my roommate from on the 19s. 
right up until we started having single rooms in senior cricket. Great. And then finally, uh, worst trainer you'd ever trained with? Bryce Kavanagh from Australia. Okay. What a man he was. There we go. So, yes, uh, as uh, Kira mentioned, 2020 has been a rubbish year all around. It's a, it's a strange world we're living in at the moment. Um, but there is cricket going on. There is professional sport going on. Um, the 2020s, uh, the IPL, sorry, is going on at the moment. But um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to focus on our guests uh, because we're going to keep this short show relatively short. So I want to kind of focus on that. Um, so I think we'll start off with a topic being uh, the earliest cricketing memory you guys have got. Um, so, Corey, we'll start with you this time. Like, what's your first cricketing memory, whether it be playing, watching, whatever it may be? It must be playing. I'm growing up in the Caribbean. I think we only uh, had two sports that people looked at coming up, which was cricket and soccer. I played both, but I got stopped playing soccer very early from my games master at school. Mm -hmm. I thought, I reckon he saw something in me that... Um, I need to give him a special thank you for. Okay. So were you, uh, were you, were you good at football? Like you were, do you think you could have made it in football as well? No, I was, cap I was captain of both teams. I don't know if that no. says a lot. No. <laughs> no. Um, what about you, Courtney? Um, were you, uh, first of all, before we get to your first cricketing memory, were you uh, any good at any other sports growing up? Oh yeah. Best at everything. In my <laughs> dreams. I played a lot of basketball, football, um, dominoes, which is a sport most people don't know about. But I also used to run. So I used to run and leave all the athletes at school, but I just never liked it. I yeah. loved cricket. And I, unlike Corey, my sports master was coming for me to do other sports. And I was running away from him to go and play cricket. But I just didn't have that love for it. I, didn't, I liked playing for fun, inter-farm, fun days. But once it got serious, I, it's cricket. So once the cricket coach turned up, then every sports went in the backdrop. Um, my first love for the game, my first memory was at Melbourne Cricket Club that I ended up playing for. We were playing tennis ball cricket on a little tennis court when a guy passed by and says, you guys seem to know what you're doing. Uh, why don't you come and practice with us in the evenings? I was a kid then, we were probably nine or ten. So we used to go over there and feed the cricket ball so they didn't get a chance to do anything. But we got a chance to practice before they came and we were playing with tennis ball. And that was my first memory um, of just playing the game itself. Cool. So um, when do you think, uh, like, who was, actually, no, who was your, your hero growing up, Corey? Like, who was the kind of cricketer which you idolised and you wanted to be like him? The man himself who's on here with us. And, and it was, you know, a great thing for me, a great memory to cherish when I made my test debut and um, played alongside him. And also, well, not so good for us. When we had to bowl the second new ball against Australia, Brian Lauer asked me to share it with him, and that was very good for me. Yeah, that sounds... Uh, I think for any professional sportsman, it must be um, where if you ever get to play with, like, the the guys which you've idolised growing up or as teenagers and you're getting in I think that's something special I'd imagine that's something special like it's special for me as I get to talk to all these different 
um, athletes and stuff, people who I've idolised growing up, and I'm getting to interview them and talk to them. So I'm imagining, you know, if, when you get to play with those kind of people, it must be even better for you because it must be, you know, you're not just making your debut for your country. You're also getting to play with these guys who've who've inspired you to get there in the first place. Agree. Um, Courtney, who was your uh, who, were you, who were the guys which you were sort of idolising growing up and that? I'll come back to that one quickly, but just to add to what Corey just mentioned. I didn't know that he idolised me until after we started playing together, and that made our friendship even more special. So it's always good to know that someone who looked up to you end up playing the same team. Um, you know, you can build a bond on that friendship, and that's what that's a good bit about cricket. Um, when I just started to watch the game, I saw the Western team on the on the TV for the first time. I remember seeing Clive Lyle, Drew Richards, Van Byrne, Holder, Michael Holder, and Roberts, and I had a special love then. But the person who I would, it, it, you know, was something special for me was Michael Holder because we played for the same club. So I used to go and watch him play as a young boy. I used to score the ball when he was bowling. Just to go and watch him practice and stuff. And we used to go, we used to get picked up to go and watch him play senior cup for the club. So when I played my debut test match with him, he was my roommate in Australia. When my, it was like a dream come true, a boy would dream come true. But two persons from the same club played together in a test match. So I could say, you know, I idolized him in a lot of ways, wanted to do what he achieved, but didn't expect to happen in the same, in the same lifetime, so to speak, or to play, play the same team together. So that was something special for me. And to this day, I cherish those moments. I remember he did something to protect me when Clive came to me and said that he wanted me to bowl one over the change round Gerald Garner, Malcolm Marshall. I wanted to bowl, but Mikey figured, no, no, don't let the youngster go. And he said, skip, I'll do it. And after that, he got five for 21 or something like that. The, you know, the hens didn't get changed again. But he did that in terms of protecting me and you know, something I would never, ever forget. And it's, as Corey mentioned, when that happened, to play the, play the same field with him and actually opening the bowling and test matches up at Jamaica with Mikey was something special. Yeah, that must be amazing. You mentioned um, your debut there, Courtney. Like, do you remember when you first found out, you know, that you'd been selected for the West Indies for the first time, that feeling and, and when you found yeah. out? Was it, did you find out like a couple of days before or was it quite a way out so you had time to process it? I found out through the press when I got selected for the first time to go on tour. Back in those days, you wait on a news release from Tony Coder or Tony Becker or some radio station to announce that you're in the squad going to England. So the first time I got selected for the West Indies, the senior team, that's how I found out. Early on the news, while just in the 16-man squad going to England. Didn't play any test matches or any international match on that tour in 1984. We went to Australia shortly after. And I found out I was in the 12th by my roommate, Mikey Olin. He says, um, you're selected in the 12th for the test match tomorrow. And there's a strong possibility you will play. Because well, we had just beat England 5 years, so I didn't expect to get in. So I thought Mikey was just pulling my leg. But I had a very good match against Perth at Luwaka. Got five or six wickets in the game. And I was drafted into the 12th. And I think Clive wanted me to play because of the extra pace and bounce. So I replaced the LD Baptiste in that test match. When Mikey told me I was selected, I called my mom and I called my dad to tell him there's a possibility I might be playing tomorrow, but I'm in the 12. And that was excitement in this world, just to be in the 12. And then I ended up playing and stuff. So the rest was history. I made my debut then. Um, you know, we won that series 3 1. What about you, Corey? Do you, uh, do you remember like, your first your debut and, and how you felt before, how you found out? Um, I'm not one to get excited about those things. 
I just think it's my job and I need to get on with it. But I remember when I got the call like, from, I think it was Philip Spoon at the time. Um, not sure if he was, a, yes, he, he was a media man. And um, he said, how do you feel? I said, okay. And he was like, just okay, nothing special. I said, yes, but I'm okay. Because I think that the, the, the real moment is when you start to play. And um, it was against Australia. And like Courtney, I remember when I got selected the night, uh, Brian Lahr came in, I think after the selection meeting, we were in the team meeting already. And he sat behind me and said, um, you know, you're, you'll be playing tomorrow. And I said, okay. And I could remember the team meeting going on and, and you know, we started with the batsman. As the first time I really realized what, what it, it meant to discuss opposition teams, etc. And I thought it was so easy because when I heard like Mark Elliott, people saying, oh, leave him to Courtney. Next batsman, I can't remember who. Oh, that's all right. Mark Waugh, Ambrose, said, leave him to me. Um, he likes to pull. Um, just put the fine leg wide. And I thought, is it that easy? But I remember hearing Steve Waugh's name and Courtney and Ambi said, you know, let's not board short because he just, you know, ducks under the ball. And I said to myself, that's what they think. I think that these guys, all their short balls a bit too high. So as we were saying in the Caribbean tomorrow, I'd be peppering him. And that was my memory. And, and, and there was a good story behind that as well because I gave him three short balls back to back. And he, he gave me some talk, but it was quite funny. So, yeah, it's... Um, like, so those are my memories for yeah, starting up. They're awesome. I, you, you mentioned he gave you some uh, some stick back. Like, I'd love to hear some stories from both of you. I like to ask all the cricketers <laughs> we have on about uh, your favourite <laughs> sledges and stuff like that, which you've either received or given. Um because I just I love the insight that it gives people like myself who are outside the game. Um, Courtney, you and Kurtley Ambrose used to get uh, stuck into the, particularly from my memories, you know, the English batsmen. Um, is there any sort of uh, sledges or interactions which spring to mind over the years? I would more want to use the term probably interaction because I don't think many batsmen were going to sled someone like me and Kurtley Ambrose, six feet no. seven, six feet eight. Um, they're, there's no chance of that. And I don't think we encountered a lot of sledging. I know there was a misunderstanding in a game with myself and Mike Atterton at Sabina Park, where we called himself a particular name, and I thought it was directed at me. And the next over, I was in his face for the entire over until I got him out. And when we were walking off the field for lunch, he was walking towards me, and Kurtley and them guys were saying, well, here is a showdown now. They didn't, they have never ever seen Mike Atterton losing his school. And he actually came to apologize that the word he used was not directed at me, but at himself for playing the way he did. I just burst out laughing. Because he's a fierce competitor. We played against each other in county cricket. So I was shocked at, you know, that he would have used that word at me. But he said, no, no, it wasn't directed at you. It was directed at himself. And sorry for the misunderstanding. He said to me, cost my wicket because you, you went up a gear. <laughs> but, you know, um, I've never really had any encounter with anyone that I would say gave me a lot of backshot because as you said six feet seven they're not gonna really give you a lot of backshot there so yeah. I, I didn't I, i'll be unfair to say that i got a lot of sledging. what about you corey any uh, interactions with batsmen kind of stick out for you over the years uh no I, I, like courtney i never really encountered sledging or, or anyone getting into my face i guess it was because we are how i operated but um with steve that that was my debut you know a young guy playing on the flat wicket at the antique recreation ground 
um, you know, Bowling Short, the Australian captain, who was, was actually one of my favorite players. <laughs> and um, when I bowled this short ball, he sort of fended it off and said, a bit slow, mate. <laughs> and I never used to talk, I just steer. So I steered him down, went back to my mark and bowled another one. That he fended again and he goes, oh, a bit quicker, mate. Like that. So then I decided to bowl another one. Um, that he fended again, and this time he got a single. So when I was walking back to my mark, he slowly, you know, stretched across and said, wait until you bat, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so when I walked out to bat, uh, Glenn McGrath had the ball in his hand, and all I heard was, come on, Paige, let's have the steer now. So I looked back, and I saw about six or seven pair of Oakleys. No one said anything else after that. And I'll always remember those first two balls in Test cricket as well. One pass by my throat and one pass by my neck. But I got off the mark the next ball. Nice off drive down the ground for three. So I was happy about that. Did, um, it's, I, don't, I get the impression the answer to this question is going to be no. But did you guys ever suffer with um, like nerves before games and stuff? Uh, um, I did a little bit, but I try not to worry about it. I always think um, I got into the team playing first-class cricket for Barbados against people like Brian Lauer, Carl Hooper, Ridley Jacobs, etc. And these guys on the team are already playing against the opposition. So if I'm good enough to get them out to make this team, I should be good enough to get the opposition out. And it helped a lot with Courtney there as well. What about you, uh, you Courtney? Did you ever kind of get nerves before games and stuff? It seems ridiculous to ask. Like, no, it's similar to what Corey mentioned. I mean, when I made my debut, I was playing against Viv Richards, Desmond Nees, Gordon Greenwich, wow. Lara, just to name a few other guys in the region. And I got those guys out playing against them in our regional cricket. And then you only have someone like a Michael Lowell. I remember I played a club game with Mikey and got Jeffrey Dujan out in that match. And you know, when Mikey complimented me and said, it's the first he has ever seen anyone dismiss Dujan twice in that manner in the same game. It gave me a lot of kudos. I mean, the nerves and stuff, because you had those guys giving you support. And on debut for me, the three guys that were playing was Michael Lowell, Malcolm Marshall, and Gerald Garner. So the, whatever nerves you had would go, because they will, they, they, will, they will look after you. And I think similar to what I did when Corey came on the scene and stuff, you know, passed that on. So I might have had a bit of nerve when I was younger. But after, you know, going through the ropes and stuff, I, I wouldn't say I was fearless, but... The nerves was more controllable, and I was just ready, ready to do battle because I backed myself, and I believe I could get the job done. Yeah, for sure. I, experience as well helps, doesn't it? As you go, as, the more you play, um, the nerves are easier to control. Um, yeah. Who in the current West Indies team, uh, Courtney? Who stands out for you as uh, kind of someone who could be really get take hold for the team over the next couple of years, like young players? There's a couple of young players I've looked at. Um, not been very close to them and stuff, but someone like a Shamar Brooks, from what I see in him, I like that he could probably, you know, maybe not be the youngest player play in the team, but it looks like somebody who could develop to be a, a top class player. I know Shai Hope didn't have the best at tour um, on the last recent tour. Um, I look at a young, a young boy like Azari Joseph. I think he's got something about him. I've always felt that way when I saw him at youth cricket when I was a selector. Um, and I feel he has something about him and it's just a matter of time once he does the work to get up there and make a name for himself in terms of looking at youngsters who can, can get up there. Um, 
And you know, those are some of the three of the guys I've always looked at to say they could make probably make a difference in Western Street. I know we've got the senior guys like Roach and Gabriel and all that stuff, but I'm looking towards you know the, the guys who are not who have not cemented themselves yet. Hopefully they'll get a chance or the opportunity to, to do so and uh, make a name for themselves. I mean, John Campbell is a batsman that I like, but it's just for some strange reason. He reminds me of my good friend on on the screen here. You know, gets a start and doesn't finish it, Mr. Powell. Sorry, I got to put the back you. This young man on the screen here for me, when I was a selector, I still want to hit him. I want him to feel his right hand because he used to get some brilliant thirties and forties and then just chuck his wicket away. And he's got ability, he's got the talent, and just for some strange reason, he doesn't want to pick himself. He's waiting on selectors to pick him. So I, I, have, I have that against him, but I think he's, he's got the talent. I'm not, I'm not saying because he's on screen. Based on what I saw when I was a selector, he's got the talent and the ability to go all the way and to, he, he, he should be in, in that Western setup um, dominating and so but I mean I know he had a good season I think last season so with, there's still possibilities but I blame him because sometimes you just have to pick yourself which is something I used to tell Corey all the time if you leave it up to the selectors and give them a chance you might not get picked but if you pick yourself by performing consistently then they have no choice but to pick you there you go you've been told Kieran Again, I've been told the whole of um, the CPL. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was with me in CPL and I reminded him. <laughs> wow, that's right. Do you think, um, is it a question put you all on the spot, Will and including you, Kieran, will we see Kieran Powell play for the West Indies again? I, I think we will and should, but I'd, like, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. Well, I'll, 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 I'll answer about. that first. I can give you a number for Roger Harper. That's, that's an easy question. I'll tell him. <laughs> it's, it's, I'll tell him as long as he's like he's in West Indies and I'm in Cardiff and there's a nice distance between us it's fine I'll tell him all day <laughs> but um, I mean I wanted to touch on county cricket for you guys because um, obviously uh, Courtney you played for Gloucestershire for, uh, for several years and uh, Corey you played for Warwickshire Sussex and Middlesex. Um, only, only three? <laughs> oh, I was waiting to hear a couple more names. I thought you were in the Derby and Nottingham. Because he was always up that side between Derbyshire and Nottingham. Every time I go that side, I saw him. I thought he played for one of those counties as well. Yeah. Wow. Um, only three. Only three. <laughs> Corey, what was your experience of playing for only three clubs, uh, three counties in, uh, in England? I like how you stress on the Oli. Um, <laughs> Warwickshire was my first county. Yeah. I really can't remember much. You know, it was my first experience playing county cricket. But um, I, I really like the, the setup there. I remember young players like Ian Bell, Jonathan Trott, who I thought can go all the way. And certainly they did and made a huge impact in English cricket. Middlesex, very good. Sort of coming on to the back end of my career, but. You know, you hear people speaking about Lords. I know they mention it in my favorite grounds, but um, you know, Kensington Oval for me would always be the home of cricket. And Sabina Park is where I got my best figures. I love playing in Jamaica, but playing at Lords was always a, a special moment as well. Um, we had some good guys there. Uh, I think we won the championship playing with, under Chris Rogers' leadership. Um, David Milan, who would say he's my son, another good player. Tim Murta, who keeps doing it year after year after year. 
and you know he made some good friendships there and I still keep in contact with some of the guys got young Harry Podmore who I played a similar role to what Corny did with me and it was heartening to to see or hear when he called me the other day um, he's playing at Kent how oh, it was good for him um, with me as his mentor at 17 years old so it was good to see and he signed a contract extension I think yesterday or two days ago but I think my highlight would be Sussex um I was sort of just given up on West Indies cricket, or they gave up on me. I was 29 years old. But the professionalism that you had at that club, for such a small club, was unbelievable. And I say up to today, I think if I had that five years earlier, I reckon I could still be playing international cricket. Yeah. Um, and again, good relationships, good friendships. And that's a place that I can still walk into, you know, hold your head high, and people still welcome you with open arms. You just um, you said there about your your West Indies career was kind of ended, uh, and you were about twenty nine. That does seem like a, a not like almost like a common theme that when uh, West Indian crickets get to sort of twenty nine thirty, they don't they do seem to get dropped a lot, or they their careers naturally kind of their international careers naturally come to an end. I guess um, is that something which they look at? as selectors as like an age thing and they'd look to be bringing more young players or is it just kind of just a coincidence okay Courtney well, I think I think it's better for Courtney to answer that as he was a selector yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a selector I don't think it will have to be I don't want I don't think it's just age I think what happened well with my experience I'll never forget this and this is when I decided I was going to retire I score myself at the top of my game, I think, when I retired in 2001. But when you when you turn up at a test venue and there's eight fast bowlers named in the squad and the coach comes to you and says, um, you got the information, you're not fit, and you just finished bowling four to five overs in the last first bats game, and he's going to give you a fitness test, I think that's a message that we probably sent in another way. So when he saw me bowling the next session, and the same, the coach was about to happen. He wasn't selected, he, he just was working on the instruction. He says, I'm on the Sunday, you're not fit, and I'm supposed to do a fitness test on you. I said, But coach, I just won five or five in the last first last game. And he, I said, What do you want me to do? And he says, um, Fitness test. I said, Okay, so I pulled from the start of practice to the end of practice. And after that, that was enough. He took over the ball and said, Go about your business. I ended up getting most wickets on both series, both teams in that series. I retired, and a lot of people didn't know why, but. Um, I think our communication level was not at its best there. I don't know if there's much improvement now, but um, so I, I saw that stepped away, but that's not a case of all. I think what happens is that people speculate and then they don't communicate, they don't know what shape you're in, what is going on, and we just seem to leave people at the wayside. I mean look at someone like Affidia Levels, he played in the CPL recently. He went to Amsterdam a couple of seasons on a whole back deal. But I still felt that Fidel had something to offer. Even if he wasn't playing for the West, he's been playing on our real cricket for youngsters to learn from him. So I'm happy the way he has carried himself. He has you know, looked after himself in his career. And as I said, people age and poor mentality, if you had a professional setup, you could probably play a lot longer. And that's the truth. But we don't communicate, we don't get things done or said to people. And then, you know, you don't want to sort of be left out at some season. Harry, when you went it's time to give my youngster a chance. So when I when I stepped aside, I think it was the best time because the team was going to Zimbabwe. So let the youngster who's going to come in start there. Not, you know, 
it's taking anything away from Zimbabwe, but I just felt that way, and that's when I step up, step aside from it. So I don't think age should come into play, but um, back in those days, I think maybe those selectors thought that way. Um, yeah. But you're as good as your last game, and you're as good as you feel. And I was feeling very, very good. And just to get this best of cause that day. And I'll never forget this. When I announced my retirement at some point, uh, then two selectors came to me and asked me, why am I retiring now? I had most wickets. And I was going to say to them, but you guys didn't want to start me in the series because that was a fact. I think just to piggyback off of those points, um, I think the deterioration in quality in regional cricket from Courtney's time to Corey's term to Moitem obviously plays a big part in the development of players. So obviously, when Corey, when Courtney would have played first class cricket, he'd been playing against Desmond Haynes and Brian, um, well, a young Brian Arbor, but Viv Richards and guys that were playing county cricket hardened professionals. So that professionalism would have been more instilled into our domestic cricket, whereas now guys are taking longer to develop. So I think the age that we're dropping players at now are the age that we should be probably starting to look for returns from players because of the extended time it takes for players to learn. But um, in the Caribbean, there's this, this stigma, this notion that I guess once you get to 30, um, you, should, you should be filing for pension. So... <laughs> Um, I don't. I don't know if that's ever going to change because I guess Roger Harper was coach then and he's chairman now. So who was coaching? We'll see how that goes. Do you think, um, Key? Do you think it could be like a a communication issue rather than a like an age issue necessarily, and maybe that the the lines of communication between using yourself as an example between like you guys and and the people who make the decisions and the selections. Could that be better, maybe? I don't really think it's that much communication. I think um, West Indians, we're, we're proud people, but I think the ego as well plays a, a big part of it. Like, you know, people in, in positions of power don't want to seem to, to come and, and talk to the players. Um, they think that, you know, the cricket's about them ultimately. Um, so I think that that's where the fraction lies between the cricket and, and the board at the moment. And that's where you have, I guess, certain things happening repeatedly from generation to generation because you can't you can't be trying to bridge a gap for thirty years now, and the gap's getting wider and wider, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So, yeah, okay, um, right. Sorry, Courtney, going back to Gloucester. Um, I wanted to really ask you about your time in Gloucester and, and your memories from it, but also I wanted to ask you if there was any uh, sort of teammates or players you played with during your time at Gloucester, that you were surprised didn't go on to play, uh, you know, like an international level? Um, there was one kid that spring very really little mind that I thought would have started to make it up, that guy named Matt Windows. When he came, he was probably one of the best anti-colonist cricketers I saw could bat, with a little bit of left hand, but was really was brilliant in the field as well. So I thought himself would have made it to like with Mark Allen, got a couple of games, and you know, Martin Ball was... I thought that he would have made it, but unfortunately for me, he didn't. He came and joined us as a youngster. But then, you know, people like Jack Russell, David Lawrence and stuff got through and got the call, which was too bad. Um, I can't recall anyone else that sort of stuck to mind. I guess he was a youngster when he came, then I thought that he would have made it for England, but he didn't. Uh, the county cricket itself, 
as you say, I un unlike Mr. Collimore, I only had one county. Um, I was there for 14 years. Um, the fans and the support that I got there was tremendous, second to none. Um, my leaving there wasn't amicable because I was surprised. I was I was in, actually in South Africa mm. when I got the news that my contract was um, going to be called back in. I got more of the test match. Um, the coach, the then coach John Bracewell and the CEO Colin Sexton saw it fit to withdraw the contract without even you know, communicating anything to me. So I was, that was a disappointing time. It brought a sort of sad ending to a county. I didn't get a chance to see a proper farewell, if you understand what I'm saying. Because I didn't know. I thought I was going back for two more years and everything was planned to have a proper goodbye. And it didn't end on a high note, but the fans reached out to me. We have a whole boy club that was still keeping touch and stuff. So I go to their events and I still pop into the county ground. I, when those two were still in charge, I stayed away from them. But I'll go to the bar and go elsewhere and have a couple. And, you know, the fans, the support was tremendous. My proctor, who, as we call him, Proctisher Gloucestershire, very good friend of mine. Um, uh, when it happened in South Africa, he was the first person I reached out to ask him what was going on. And he said to me, they've gone loopy, they've lost it, they've gone mad. <laughs> but, we, you know, I've gone past that, we've moved on, and Procky, myself, and a couple of the former players, Jack Russell, Paul Remains, Andy Brassington, we've kept that friendship on bond going. And whenever we have old boys get together and stuff, I'm always updated. And if I'm in the country, I go and support. And um, you know, I remember the last thing I supported with them was the passing of Kevin Curran. When he, he, play, he played for Gloucester and then went to North Hands. And I happened to be in the country at the time. And he was good friends of myself and Kirtley Ambrose. And another gentleman who passed recently, David Capel. And I remember we went to play and to support. So those are the memories I would cherish forever playing against these guys, having good counter cricket. Um, my Glamorgan counterpart was on. We were a rival in terms of back in the days. The princess, Princess Diana was our patron, and her husband was their patron. So it was a big rivalry game whenever they're going to turn up to watch a match. So Gloucester always wanted to outdo Glamorgan, and Glamorgan always wanted to outdo Gloucester for, for both of them. See, so it used to be good banter, good fun, and it was a proud moment when you have the, you know, the, the royal, the royals is in the house, and I came to watch the game on the court. So those are some of the memories I have of playing against Glamorgan, playing for Gloucester, and as I said, the, the Cheltenham College. My favourite ground. Can I ask as well, why Gloucester? Why was that your choice of county? You know, with all the, all the various counties that could have been chosen for you to um, play for. Why did you choose Gloucester, and kind of how did that happen, or how did it? Come I, I, I guess, I guess I'm silly, I'm stubborn, whatever, loyal, whatever the case may be. But I was playing for a club named Tyndale in the leagues, and we had a big game at Jesmond. And Tom Graveney came to watch this game. He and both of us playing, um, Mike Dennis, you name them. A lot of former in England players and some young ones. Derek Randall and all those guys were playing. And I'll never forget this. Myself, Clyde Butts, and a guy called Terry Edward who was playing for the Jesman 11. And I managed to knock a few stumps out of the ground with good pace. I was a youngster then in the league cricket. And Tom went back to tell Glasser he saw a youngster that they should try to sign. And they made contact with me when I was flying through, and then I went to Zimbabwe that same year. Northampton then came in touch with me, and so I had two counties to choose from. And I, because Gloucester approached me first, one, and then secondly, Michael Olin, who was, I was very close to, I had a discussion with him, and he says, um, 
he would recommend I go to Gloucester because of X, Y, C. And I said, okay, done deal. They approached me first. And I, I went along with them. And that's how it all started. I had opportunities to leave to go other counties when I was there, dominating. Um, I got offers and I thought about them. One of them was in London. And I thought, wow, London is the place to be. But I just felt a special love at Gloucester and I stayed. And that's why it was so disheartening that the way that I wasn't able to stay a proper feel to my Gloucester people. But um, I just, I love the place. I love the fans. I love interacting with them. And Bristol was my home away from home. The family would come up and spend time with me. And I would not change it for the world. If I just would live my life over again, I probably would go back to Gloucester because of the, the fun time I had there and the people I interact with. And the, the people are just so wonderful of that side. Did you, um, during your long period there, did you ever come close to moving on or leaving for a different county at any point? As I say, I got offers. Even, I'll be honest with you, even when I, my last year, and I'll say it up front, Glamorgan came to me. Matt Maynard came to meet me um, and asked me if I was keen to leave because of, and with the chairman and my agent because the contract had ended. I had a good discussion, but I'll, I'll be communicated well. And I said to Matt, I would for the offer you've made me, but I feel, I feel very loyal here. And they've just given me a testimony and stuff. And he says, Courtney, I agree with you. I appreciate it. And I'm thanking you for being honest. So the last counter to approach me was the Morgan. And I could have gone. I could have gone. <laughs> I could have gone. And I decided to stay loyal. And then as it would happen, that same contract was stripped away from me under my feet. <laughs> Damn. So, Strange world, I tell you. See, now we could have had Courtney Walsh playing for Glamorgan. Yeah, I could have. Out of London. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been incredible. We had uh, obviously had legend uh, Saviv played for Morgan for many years. Uh, yeah. He was uh, he was my my idol growing up. He was um, Corey. Uh, what are you up to at the moment from a cricket point of view? I just play club cricket at home in Barbados. Yeah, you got uh, any, work. any kind of interest in doing some coaching or? Getting on like border selectors, maybe for the West Indies. You, probably not, pitch, but I think you've done enough there. research. You pitch to know that. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm actually in Derby with the West Indies women's okay. team, uh, being one of the assistant coaches here. That's cool. Then women's crickets come on massively in the last kind of eight to ten years. Like when you compare it now to what it was ten years ago. It's almost like two different sports, um, the level and the, the, the professionalism, I think, is what changed that, changed the quality of it. Uh, it's the professionalism off the pitch. Um, are you enjoying that, with, like working with the women's teams and helping them progress? Of course. Who would enjoy being in a bubble? <laughs> um, don't, don't tell me about the bubble, please. Karen and I was going to work for like six weeks. Please, please, please. And I'm still on the quarantine. My quarantine ends tomorrow. So I was going to have been in a bubble for eight weeks. Jeez, is, that, right. is that how the long the CPL one was? Eight weeks? That's no, it's six, six, months, six got weeks, got but then you got to take two weeks when you, get home. when you get over. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a double bubble. Double bubble. Um, and what about you, Courtney? What are you uh, What are you up to now? What are you looking to do in the future? I was with the women team in the last World Cup um, in Australia. I came back from COVID. Courtney, Corey gave me the sack and sent me with the CPL team. Um, <laughs> so 
So I was in Trinidad doing a bit of coaching, working with Stuart and Mark O'Donnell with the St. Kitts Patriots. Wasn't very successful in terms of how the team played, but I had a very good time. Um, we were in a bubble, so we had to be creative. And one of the stuff that we did to be creative was to play some dominoes. And the gentleman on the screen, Mr. Powell, felt this right and quite a, a few times. Um, but yeah, I wanted to get back into coaching. I wanted to be involved and stuff, so I'm waiting to see what opportunities are out there. Uh, I was having a good chat with Matt last season because he wanted to try to get me to come and speak to the Glamorgan Fastball if I was in England this year, but then COVID came along, so that didn't materialize. But I'm always available to pass on my knowledge to whoever it is that appreciates it and stuff. So yeah, it's something I like to do. The quicker we can sort of get this pandemic behind so we can probably get back out of the normalcy will be better, but we're not sure when that's going to be. I do enjoy coaching and you know, I had a very good time with the St. Kitts Patriots, just working with the guys and seeing talent unfold and you know, just trying to help, the, the young, especially the younger players in the squad as best as I could. And they had some young fast bowlers that had some chats with them and the potential is there. And it's something I do enjoy. So yeah, I'm hoping that that in itself presents, I get an opportunity again to do something likewise. So, um, final question uh, for, for you, Courtney. Um, will we ever see you as the kind of head coach of the West Indies team? I'm going to have to negotiate with um, Mr. Cardamore to see you. <laughs> um, I, 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 I'll never say never, but that's not going to be very easy. I mean, we've got a good head coach in place now. Um, if the opportunity presents itself and I'm given that opportunity, it's something I would relish and something I look forward to doing. But at present, I'm trying to learn the trade and to groom myself and to see how best I can improve in all departments. But it's definitely something I had an interim stint with Bangladesh and I enjoyed that. Tremendous experience. I try to gain as much experience as much as I can where I move on. And if that opportunity presents itself, then it's something I would think about seriously because Western cricket is my heart. My heartbeat. I love Western cricket. So whatever I can do to help or contribute, I'd like to do so. You can't fault that. But it's just legendary words from a legendary man. Um, Corey Collymore, Courtney Walsh, thank you very much for joining us both. Uh, I've enjoyed firing some questions at you and uh, talking to you about uh, West Indies cricket and your careers. I know uh, you are all busy men, so I appreciate you finding the time for us. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, also nice. Kieran. But nice. uh, yeah, two legends, mate. Courtney Walsh, like growing up, was one of my like I was just in awe of him. So uh, to get to interview him and uh, listen to his stories was cool. Um, so me and you are gonna while well, they've all gone to their their meetings and stuff. Obviously, they're in a different uh, time zone to us. Yeah. We're gonna just talk about uh, some of the latest news from the cricketing world. Um, so I know you mentioned when we me and you were talking the other day about the the ECB and the, the what was it? It was the funding, wasn't it? Or the, yeah, no, six, the, uh, sixty-two job losses and a two hundred million deficit. Yeah, that's disappointing, mate. I gotta say, um, and I know COVID's got a massive, you know, it's got a massive uh, impact on every everywhere and every sport, everything. But like, I don't like seeing these big brands, big companies, big football clubs, cricket, you know, the ECB is massive. They bring in a ridiculous amount of money. They pay out a ridiculous amount of money. And I feel like it always seems to be the office workers and the the administrative mm. staff who are the ones who are getting sacked off, whether it's cricket, football or whatever, not the yeah. And I get understand, you know, the players are assets and 
they're not going to be the ones to have their contracts cancelled and stuff. Yeah, but, it's hard times. I think sport in general feel the pinch, as it were. Yeah. Now, what was it the other day? You saw Macclesfield Town being wound up in the football world. I don't see how certain counties, unless they get bailouts from the ECB, will will, will be able to survive. You look at North Hants, um, smaller counties mainly that rely on that funding because they don't attract massive crowds. Um, I, I don't have the. I don't know. I don't know where they'll be in a year's time. You know, if this goes on for another six months and you start next season with it again, it will definitely put clubs under. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. A, and I wonder, maybe, is that why they're looking at kind of trying to save some money now? Yeah, um, potentially. And whatnot, because they've uh, I've noticed today the ECB have clarified the player attention plans for the postponed yeah. uh, 100 tournament. Obviously, they... They did like a. Was, did they do the full draft or did they? Do yeah, they like did the mini yeah. draft. No, they did the full draft, and then uh, I believe, having spoken to someone that was in it, um, contracts were signed, sent, you know, put in front of players, signed as it were. Um, but I don't know how that will work in terms of remuneration, because obviously the tournament hasn't gone ahead, but these people still have contract. I don't know. So, just to read this, this is off Crick Info, which has come, it looks like it's come from the ECB. It says, uh, the hundreds, the EC, the hundred, the ECB's new flagship 100-ball competition was sta- due to be staged for the first time this summer before the pandemic, blah, 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 blah. The competition's regulation had initially allowed teams to retain 10 players at a mutually agreed salary band for the second season. Um, <laughs> but that has now been extended to the full squad on account of the delay. So basically yeah, that I'm... means that they can keep players under contract for two seasons regardless of when it starts. Yeah. But for instance you've got um I think it's David David uh, sorry David Milan Milan is, yeah. um, on like 40 grand um, yeah. from Trent Rockets. Can they afford to pay that? Yeah, there's well, that's no the thing. revenue coming in cuz Correct me if I'm wrong, mate. Uh, Trent Rockets, they're not affiliated to Notts, are they? No, it's not. They're a completely separate entity. So before, obviously, you've got Nottinghamshire, County Creek Club, Glamorgan, Gloucestershire, all those. These are completely different. You have regions, but they're not anything business-wise to do with... The counties. No. So these these um, franchises, if you like, they um, or the regions, they literally have got no money coming in. Well, at the moment, no. Because the tournament never happened. No. Um, so, like, I'd assume they would have gotten some TV money up front. Yeah, it was a it was big, like, big, big TV money from Sky. They, they wouldn't have got it all, though, would they? Because they would have got well, like, a portion, and then yeah, they would have got the rest during I, after. I a sponsorship assume. as well. You know, if you were a shirt sponsor, I don't know how much that would be, but let's just throw a figure out there and say it's hundred grand, two hundred grand. You you might pay that, but you haven't got anything back for it because there hasn't been a tournament so would those franchises then have to yeah would they have to reimburse the money because you haven't actually got anything for I don't know how it all works it's very um, because obviously they haven't fulfilled their like so with sponsorship and stuff like that like on the shirts for instance you know it's going to be things like you're going to have the logo of the business on the shirts and you're going to you know, it's going to appear around the grounds during games and on TV and, you know, all these different <laughs> little things in the contracts. 
but they haven't fulfilled those because the tournament hasn't gone ahead, which, you know, no fault of their own. So then, like you say, do they have to refund the money? Do they not get the money that they would have got? And I just, I struggle to see how some of the smaller franchises are going to be able to pay those big name players because every region's got a couple of massive names. I think I think for the fr- the franchises might be okay because the ECB will sort of ring fe- ring fence this tournament and say right this is the showpiece mm. you know not all of the money but a large percentage of the money is going to go towards this but I think in the long run if we're still in this situation in eight months time when the season starts again um, that will inevitably put counties under because how can they afford it you know you look at Glamorgan this week and they. Um, released a few young Welsh lads um, for various reasons. I believe a few of them uh, didn't play much. A few of them did, but you know, no doubt about it that finances are tight, especially at counties, smaller counties, that they have to look after their squads, and that will mean some quite harsh cuts. I mean, there was a guy at Sussex who got released today, Luke Wells. He's only my age. I played against him age group cricket. The man averages 38, I think, in first-class cricket. He's got 18 or 19 first-class hundreds, and they got rid of him. You know, that'll be a, a dream signing for anyone else, and I'm sure there'll be counties who will Someone sign him. him yeah, but if that if this was two years ago, he would probably have announced yesterday he was leaving Sussex, and today you'd see a new story of yeah, signed for yeah, Somerset or whoever, but because counties can't plan, they can't take those risks. Um, yeah, it's a shame. It's quite worrying times. It is. It is worrying because, like, like you say, for him, he's like in the peak. He's got a good record. Yeah, he's um, he'd be a peak signing for for a Somerset, a Glamorgan, someone, whoever, um, and they would have scooped him up straight away. Mm. And then you've got the thing: would they have released him in the first place? Well, yeah, that's another thing. COVID. Yeah. Um, so there's like this little. They, they've released like it's like an image, I suppose, um, and it says the hundreds. For twenty hundred twenty twenty one men's retention process, um, it's a bit weird. So it says late September, early October twenty twenty, the England Red Bull Central contracts awarded their players will be allocate, allocated to teams. Then October twenty twenty to January twenty twenty one, the players in the two thousand and nineteen draft will negotiate with teams for new contracts. Then early twenty twenty one, players without a deal will enter the mini draft. And then after the 2021 T20 Blast, each team will get to select one wild card player based on Blast form. So, like like the franchises have got the opportunity to release. Yeah, I think they will. Before they wait. I think you look at all that, and that's obviously that's what's going to happen, and it's quite detailed. But if we're still in this situation in, in April, let's say next year. Which is six months' time away. How how can they operate that? Because well, people won't be allowed in grounds no. for a start. Players because anytime soon is it? You know, quite. It's quite fortunate in terms of county cricket. Most county players who play for a county, no more often than not, will live in that county. So if you play for yeah. Glamorgan, the chances are you'll live in South Wales. If you play for Gloucester, you probably live in Bristol or surrounding areas, Somerset, or that neck of the woods. But with the, the franchise, you've got. So let's say Somerset County cricketers who might be playing for the team from Durham. Yeah. So how's that going to work? You can't yes, be travelling six, seven hours away and 
there's an a- there's athlete exemptions in there, so I think from a that point of view, I think they'll be able to work around it. It's very you... clear, but it's very clear, mate. They don't want to do the hundred tournament without fans in the ground. No, that's why I mean, they've suspended yeah. it because yeah. they could have done it otherwise. I mean, you know, the the other option that I, I imagine the ECB may have considered is: do we have the hundred in Dubai like the IPL is? You know, I, I, I know think that's I, the worst idea. I gotta be honest. I know they won't have fans there, but they'll be able to hold it, and they might have wicked viewing numbers. Um, they would do record numbers, mate, wouldn't they? Because you so, have the the curiosity, but also then you'd have the fans who normally watch one day T Twenty cricket. Who, you know, it'd be a special event. Um, I just don't see them suspending it for a second time around. They're going to yeah. do something to get it on. Um, the other thing is. Obviously, last weekend we saw football fans return to grounds in some capacity. Um, it was up to a thousand, and it was very poorly done, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, cricket grounds, the way they're set out, I think mm. it's easier to yeah. get fans in there and still stick to the regulations of social distancing and all this yeah. different stuff. 100%. Before everything got a bit tighter again, this recently, like yeah. this last couple of days, this last week, like. If you go back a week when they said the EFL was, you know, allowing thousand fans into certain grounds, I thought straight away, well, cricket could do that easily. Yeah, I so he tried it and it worked brilliantly. Um, they were allowed for I think first day one, day two, maybe even day three of their county championship game. They had it only for members, obviously, so like yeah. season ticket holders, um, and, it, and it looked great. And then obviously it changed. Um, but yeah, when you were, I mean, some of the county grounds are. Sixteen to twenty thousand seat stadiums. I mean, if you can't get one thousand people spread out safe in those, it's outdoors for a start. Um, I mean, I, I know cricket grounds are laid out as well. Is that you know? So my worry with the foyers in football grounds is no matter how much you distance people in the stadium, when everyone leaves, yeah, they all go the same exit. <coughs> gets like funneled into the same area. Yeah. Whereas cricket ground, cricket grounds, a lot of them. When you come and like go into the stadium, it is quite open and it's spread yeah. out, and you can go off in different directions. I think that's easier to manage. Yeah, definitely. So it's maybe just that helps. Strange times, it isn't it? Yeah, 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 it sucks, mate. It's let's be fair, um, but it is what it is. Um, IPL has been uh, interesting. I um, yeah. I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of it. I've seen like little clips and and whatnot. I saw uh, Jofra Archer did some damage the other day. Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, which is always good to see. He's capable, mate, with a bat. I got oh, yeah. I've, uh, people and I watched him it. off in test cricket as a tail-ender, didn't they? But, oh, he's um, good, but I, I watched um, Kings Eleven versus oh, who are they playing today? Uh, Royal Challengers and um, KL Rahul got 130 in about 60 balls. Um, yeah, it was... But, I mean, that's, that, that is what the 100 want to get to. They want to be like the IPL. So you have all the best players in the world playing in England. Um, but you can do which, that. If, like, if you didn't have COVID, it's just basically about paying them, isn't it? Like, well, that's what the 100 is. And I think there was a bid, you know, it was a draft system. So they were banded. Um, I, I think the players had to put in for the auction and what band they wanted to be in, which is why I think someone like Chris Gale didn't get picked up. Um, that's crazy to me, mate. That is, that is it. But you're 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 only you're only allowed two band A players, let's say, in your whole squad, mm. um, or maybe even one. 
And if, because Chris Gale would have just said, I'm only band A, for example, yeah. um, all the other squads wanted someone else who was a band A. So like, you know, Wales had Bairstow, uh, Mitchell Stark, Steve Smith. So there's your band A players. Um, you know, the Southern teams had like Joffre Archer, um, all these players were band A. So I'm sad that he just didn't get picked up. So, Russell. A for you, mate, from like the Welsh, what are they called? Welsh Drive. Fire. Fire, I think. Yeah. So, like, we're uh, proud Welshmen. Like, for you, for a hundred ball competition, would you rather have Chris Gale or Steve Smith? Yeah. To go and watch or. Um, for the team, like for us as fans or whatever, like who would you rather have? It's hard, isn't it? Probably Steve Smith at the moment. I think if you actually asked bums on seats, it would be Chris Gale. Yeah. But, like you know... Steve Smith's record in... Uh, oh, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable as well. You know, looking at their, look at their squad now, and the squad for the Welsh Fire is, is, is very good. Impressive, mate, and I was amazed at the squad because, like, I'm so used to like Steve Smith, Johnny Bairstow, the best squads, Mitch Stark, Tom Banton, Colin Ingram, Liam Plunkett, Plunkett as well, Ben Duckett, Ravi Rampal, Simon Harmer. But you know what, they've squad there, mate, is they've got a lot of players, for instance, Bairstow, who can do massive damage with the bat, but he can also Mm. keep, yeah, they've got, well. um, Glorgan have got, I think, well, I say that Welsh Fire, I think they've got three wicket keepers in their squad. They've got uh, Banton, Bairstow, and Ben Duckett, all capable wicket. I always forget that Banton can keep. Yeah. Because he doesn't let him keep half time, but he's um, he's pretty good as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm looking at it now. You've got, I mean, you've got four county players here in Lewis Deploy, who plays for Derbyshire. Danny Briggs, who has played for England, actually, he's playing for Sussex, very good 2020 bowler. Ryan Higgins and David Payne from Gloucester. I mean, they're, they're very good county cricketers as well. It's, um, and then they're mixed in with all these international superstars. Yeah, it's, it's uh, sensational. Some of the squads are uh, unbelievable. I really do hope that we can get the 100 up and running. Um, and like I had, um, from a podcasting point of view, I had uh, someone contact me from uh, the 100 competition, basically mm-hmm. saying, would you interview some players and stuff? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, 100% <laughs> promoted promote and stuff. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, um, when it went belly up and got suspended, I haven't heard from him since, but I'm hoping that I can reopen that yeah, line of communication when, when it's, they get a date. Um, I, so I watched uh, Mumbai Indians and Kolkata uh, Night Riders yeah. the other day. Uh, Mumbai won by like 40 yards runs, but um, it was a really enjoyable game. And um, yeah. Who was it? Because someone scored uh, 80. Robert Sharma, yeah. Robert Sharma, yeah. yeah. Um, but i tell you, it was really, really entertaining to watch because um, Yad, Yadev, um, oh, yeah. he was just so... He scored like 47, I think, or 48. Um, you know, like a six, like a few four. He was just so quick. 47 off 28 balls, mate. And it was just, just the entertainment value. Like, yeah. You know, like I've spoken about before, I love test cricket. It's my favourite form of yeah, cricket. I love it. I love the intensity of it. I love how you can have five days of cricket and it still go to the five last ball. on the fifth day. Yep. Um, and like in my opinion, 
when uh, Ben Stokes scored that hundred last year, was it mm. last year or the year before? Yeah, year before. Um, On the last year, yeah, last year. And uh, that that was one of the greatest Test matches of all time for me. Maybe not for quality in terms of like the best bowlers and the best fielding, and but for 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 drama and mm. and up and down and who's going to win? Is it going to be a this and that? It's just incredible, mate. I watched the highlights of it again the other day, um, and what Ben Stokes did that day was uh, like truly special. Like yeah, it was something you'll never see probably ever again. Um, nope. Yeah, so IPL's in full flow, which I'm glad it's on. Um, you know, I know we mentioned, well, Kira mentioned before, it was a bit frustrating um, that they kind of got the IPL on but didn't focus on other. Uh, tournaments and stuff. I know that now they've obviously got them up and running, but uh, it's good that they, we've got this stuff going on because I got a feeling that lockdowns are going to be coming, so we sport keeps us going. Definitely. Uh, was there anything else, mate, which you wanted to touch on cricket wise? No, um, I think looking forward to watching the rest of the IPL. And... Yeah, is there any international cricket now? There's not for a while, is there? No, they've got a um, quick look. Uh, they've got a break. Break, yeah. But it's not. Um, it's not too long, is it? Um, I tell you what, I did. What I did see. Um, oh, what's his name? Plays for Somerset. Scored a ton in the county game. Oh, his name's Byram. Byram. Yeah, Eddie Byram. Yeah. Yeah, he looks good. I like. Yeah, him. good player. I like the look of him. Um, I wasn't very familiar with him at all. And then yeah, he's a good player. Saw like, some highlights of it. And I was like, oh, he looks good. Um, Right, we're just going to have a quick look at the next fixtures. But uh, just while I do that, um, obviously we had Courtney Walsh and Corey Collimore join us today, which was tremendous, not just an honour, but also enjoyable. And um, we've also got, uh, I interviewed Mark Ramprakash the other day as well. Uh, so we've got a couple of, uh, you know, big names on the, on the show and the channel coming up. And, uh, of course, we've got loads of, different uh, stars from different sports. I've been interviewing, uh, I had exclusive interviews with a load of Cage Warriors fighters before the, the big event, which starts today as we record this. And uh, yeah, lots of big big interviews, big shows. We'll be back in uh, in a week or two with uh, more shows, probably another guest. But uh, until then, give Nye a follow on Twitter at MrBean1927. You can follow the podcast at State of Play underscore I think Kieran is official Kieran Powell. And uh, follow Ace Podcast Nation at AceCast underscore Nation. Most of all, subscribe to the YouTube channel and spread the word about the State of Play podcast. Uh, no, thank you, mate. Everybody. Enjoyable stuff again. Very good. Slightly different format, but still good crack. Network.